Brisk Walking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. Today I'm in lovely New London, Connecticut, in this office here that looks like a psychologist's office. I'm your host, David Cameo. I'm joined by newly minted host, <laughs> Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punkybrewster, that's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R, and Survivor's Tier members, Eliza Jones 71 on Instagram and jasmine.iac on Instagram. Hi, everybody. Hi, my lovely Survivor's Tier members whom I haven't seen in a very long time since the Walking Dead coverage. Probably, yes. And maybe even Fear the Walking Dead. Have you been? Good. Good. Yeah. Busy. What have you been up to? Tending to an ailing mother, having a heart catheter, mm. and work. Just a lot and of And physical work. therapy, too, right? Yeah, shoulder surgery at uh, the end of March. So, you know, you hit 50 and shit falls apart, and then you hit 51 and your warranty expires. So, <laughs> is, the oh, war- no. is the warning sign, like, <laughs> numbing in your finger, in your extremities? For what? Which part? The heart cath or the <laughs> shoulder? <laughs> well, no, just fingertips at first, like... I'm in that stage where, like, just different things get numb yeah, after yeah, a while. Yeah, <laughs> fingers go numb, feet go numb, brain goes numb. Brain goes numb. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. I'm waiting. I'm eagerly awaiting that one. So far, <laughs> knock on wood. No, I'm very, I'm very, very glad to be back with you guys. I've missed y'all. I've just been kind of recovering through all the surgery and and stuff and it's kind of it's been a rough summer but um i'm here i'm happy i'm above ground and i'm glad to see your faces same here and uh jasmine apocalypse stock of the future looks like you've had some achievements too congratulations on season one of apocalypse doc school yes i've uh graduated well i've finished my first year of uh paramedic science so that's good i've also done a lot of outdoor things recently Oh uh, yeah, I've noticed. So I've much noticed. hiking and jumping off of waterfalls. And lots, of, lots of lots of jumping <laughs> up high hills, jumping off stuff, kayaking. Yeah, she's preparing for the apocalypse. Keep up my fitness, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, keep it up. Keep it limber. I got I got a, I got a skill as well. I can be I can be like June, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. She's trying to stay healthy for fifty one. For 51. I think I'm going to lose my knees before then if I keep hiking every day. Seriously. We talk about this a lot behind the scenes. Like, did you see a doctor? I'll walk it off. Jasmine says. Rub some dirt in it. Rub some dirt. Right, exactly. That's What would June do? WWJD. She would power through. Can't get no x-rays in the apocalypse. (laughs) Exactly. She'd use a, uh, she'd use a, wait, uh... What is the thing for the babies? The ultrasound. She'd use an ultrasound to find the break and then... And then what? And then what, Dave? And then, Come on. And then and then go, oh, well, I guess it's broken. <laughs> rub rub some dirt in some it. Two sticks and some duct tapes. Right, exactly. Do or it Rachel cons- style? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just walk it off, you idiot. Just yell, yell at it until it gets better. That's what Rachel would do. <laughs> Man up. I mean, woman up. Whatever. I do mean Rachel from Fear the Walking Dead. No, I, I, meant, I knew it. I meant I Rachel, meant. Our, our co-host Rachel, actually. Because <laughs> she would yell at it to be like, come on, man. And then it would get better magically because that's how she works for some reason. Yeah. I wish I had that power. Anyway, we're here to talk about Tales of the Walking Dead's third episode of its inaugural season titled D, the Alpha Origin Backstory episode, if we can all agree that that's what it is, because very interestingly... This episode took me quite a few watches to understand. Did you guys feel somewhat the same way? 
it's pretty much self-contained and pretty much understood. But since we have a bit of that backstory, like your brain is kind of like, hmm, this doesn't quite line up with the way I thought Alpha started off or like what I had as an impression of what she was. And that almost interferes with what the plain story this this episode is trying to tell. I had to go back actually and watch season 10, episode two of The Walking Dead. You did. OK, good. To, I, did, like, I did not try to figure out the placement of the story. It seems that what was theorized online as where that placement is, is correct. So it's just a little funky. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me personally, it didn't really interfere with my like sense of timeline. I know it bothered a lot of people more, but I kind of just thought, well, obviously something's happened that we haven't seen between like either like alpha like leaving the initial meeting of the whisperers and finding beta i just kind of assume something along them lines happened what about you elisa i know you have a lot to say about this episode too but just in terms of perception did it screw with your head a little bit the first watch it did um and i too did what bridge did and i went back to season 10 and then i did just some research online to get some of the writers and directors and and sam's point of view from it so when i went back and watched 10 too and i think i did four watches in total of this episode wow um, i understood the nuances a little bit better and i did not i don't feel as uncomfortable with any of the timeline now oh cool 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 and i i didn't go back and watch but just after having watched and taken notes from me from this episode, I literally wrote down those little narration pieces. And they're very important to how you take in this episode, because this episode is almost like a flashback of a flashback, if you really think about it. And I have to say right off the get go, there's one line in the literary world that stands out to everyone. Call me Ishmael. And I think now for me, the line that stands out is... Let me tell you how I died. What a better way to open up an episode. Call Me Ishmael with Herman Melville's Moby Dick is the introduction to the character who progresses throughout the entirety of the novel. And it shows, you know, his strength, his individuality throughout the whole story by that that one quote. And with this, let me tell you how I die, Alpha is becoming the dead. So that is, is her singularity transition point and how her individuality will go through the entire show at that point as not a living, but as a dead. I almost want to frame it as, because I love where where your head's at, because the takeaway that I got from this episode was something that was present in The Walking Dead. Every time I looked at Alpha and I saw these little inconsistencies in what her ideology was supposed to be, I kept going, you liar, you're just a liar. You're a stupid, stupid liar. You don't follow (laughs) your religion. But then looking at this episode, I completely understand her motivations now. She's not like a a tyrant slat. I mean, she is, but she has she has a reason for for being this tyrant. Right. She has a reason for being this way. And so, what this episode gave us was no, no, no. It's not out of self interest. This is this was never out of self interest. This was all she became. This. I mean, wow. Okay, hold on. Let me gather my thoughts on this because now I just went a little. <laughs> I went a little further in my brain than I thought I would. For those of you who don't know Breaking Bad, the genesis of Breaking Bad, and this is not a spoiler, the genesis of Breaking Bad is that Walter White is a chemistry teacher who has cancer, who can't afford his daily life, his mortgage, his etc. And what he ends up doing is break bad and sell meth. You know, he creates this super awesome meth 
that is clean and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And he becomes this drug manufacturer slash like kingpin eventually. But along the way, what ends up happening is that it becomes less and less about paying the mortgage and treating his cancer. And it becomes more and more about coming into this position of like power and prestige for himself. It's almost as a way of him having something for himself that he cultivates and, and nurtures and has pride in, in a world where he didn't have that before, or he tried to, but he was knocked down. So when I look at Alpha, we could look at her story in a similar fashion. It started out, and we see in this episode, it starts out with, I won't let it get you. And then maybe at some point, and especially if she, when she loses her, loses her, quote unquote, and she does, it, it turns into, I became this thing to protect you, pre protect you from it, but without you, I embrace this so hardcore that this is who I am now. This is who I am and this is all I'll ever be. It's like a point of pride. I become the tyrant, I become the ideology, I become the, the dictator, you know? So she took pride in this. So I want you to just keep that in mind as we continue. Before we continue, I wanna play Sharon's take because it, it, I, I know Rachel's not here. I know Rachel's not here. I know Sharon's not here, but Rachel and Sharon kinda came together on this take and Lisa's, Lisa's holding up her shirt, which is, what does it say on the shirt actually? I think it's it just alpha. Yeah, I think it says you are where Must, you don't belong or something like that. Must be close. I could take it off and read it back to you, but... That would make for a very interesting show. Yeah. <laughs> Must be close. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, let's play Sharon's take right now. I liked the episode. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. But I don't like Alpha. So I didn't really like the episode itself. I like the story and I like the setting and I like the filmography and everything was great. I just don't like Alpha. And um, to be honest, Lydia got on my nerves quite a bit. Rachel and I actually talked about the difference between Lydia and Carl at that particular age and at that particular time in the apocalypse and how different they were. The other thing I wanted to point out was the stuffed rabbit that Alpha or D gives to Lydia reminded me of the rabbit that Daryl finds in the subway tunnels in the beginning of Eleven. Anyway, love you guys. Wish I was there. I think back to the first time I can visually see the rabbit in my head was that when they find baby Gracie in the crib. Mm. Okay. And then there's also, Daryl also has a rabbit tattoo that you see in Coda episode shortly after Beth is killed. There's a rabbit in the episode when Rosita has had Coco and she's kind of walking around the living room holding Coco. There's another rabbit. The rabbit in the photograph and that he finds in the subway in Asheron. This is and what then Sharon also when to. Maggie and Dara are walking through the house and she picks up the rabbit, drops it, and he steps on it. And for me, the rabbit is just a symbolism of innocence. And you saw it also with Beth, but I can't remember what the relationship was, the connection with Beth. But there was just that innocence and childhood and the whole idea of prey. You know, how the rabbits are always prey and never predator. And even if you go back and you, and I, I was reading this, so I had to go back and find it. On the Talking Dead episodes, the rabbit is in different places throughout the whole studio. Oh, so what a clever so bunch of there, folks. I mean, there truly is a rabbit hole for rabbits. It's that security. It's that innocence. But prey and ever predator. I like I like that more than anything else, too. But I mean, obviously, I love the references. I mean, the, the, the bunny slippers on the teddy bear walker girl. That's, right. You know, and the mask that that um, I'm sorry to say Lynn, but the, the mask that Leah wears is a rabbit. The mask so that Leah wears. On the, the Reapers. Oh. 
Interesting. That's interesting. Huh. I wonder. Well, who cares now? She's dead. <laughs> that <laughs> and then, sucks. Of course, you know, uh, Daryl and the Claimer, they split a rabbit to eat. So that's right. It's always funny how the writers will grab an Easter egg and will carry it through the entire show and then even into these spinoff series and things. It'll be interesting to go back and watch the tales and see, does a rabbit pop up anywhere else besides this one episode? Right. Like, as we were talking about in the last two episodes, how there may be some through line things that pop up in the different episodes that can tie them together. Maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Sophia have a bunny rabbit as they were trying to find her? She has a doll that was given to her by the Morales daughter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Not a bunny. And it had a, a name. Doll. I can't remember the name of it, but it had a name. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that was something too. Because I noticed another thing on top of the fact that Dee becomes a monster to protect Lydia, does what she does to protect Lydia. I started to draw some interesting comparisons between Dee and Carol and Lydia and Sophia. Because obviously Sophia doesn't make it, but what if what if she had Lydia? So as I as I watched it, I'm like wondering, well, if Carol was in an other in any other circumstance with any other people. And this is kind of brought up again when Judith talks to Gamma, Mary. She goes, you just met the wrong people. Mm-hmm. So when I go back to this episode, I'm like, well, this could have been Carol. This could have easily been Carol. Carol also killed her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a shitbag. It's like a yin yang circumstance. Like Frank seemed like a decent guy, but decent doesn't help you survive. It doesn't keep my daughter from it getting her. Technically, Ed dies because he's a whiny man, baby. And she, I don't think Carol would have, <laughs> I don't think Carol would have killed him had Shane not beat the shit out of him first. Yeah. Yeah. But just because yeah. he, he's like, huh, and he like goes and pouts in his tent. <laughs> and that's why he dies. Because <laughs> he's a man child. Yeah. Man-child. Well, then, okay. Then the, then the comparison to between Ed and Frank is a little closer but Frank seemed like a decent enough father, you know, wants to protect. Mm-hmm. But like she, Lydia brings it up in this episode, said, Daddy said, we should we should look for people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, so at least there's a, you know, he's decent. You know, he's a little, mm, your daddy was weak, you know, but like still, like he, <laughs> he had the right idea, maybe. Uh, we should bring up the clarification that we were given at San Diego Comic-Con by Samantha Morton. She went out of her way to say that that flashback is shown from Lydia's perspective. That's right. We know what Lydia saw and that that's not necessarily how the story went. Now, mm, I don't know, because I'm like... She's just defending her character. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but she did go out of her way to say that, so... I think, Bridge, you know, if you think about it, where she's talking to to Daryl and Henry and and doing that flashback of the basement scene, I Mm. think it was a mesh of reality and what she remembered. Because I don't think she knows that Samantha or Alpha D killed Frank. Because she says, you know, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Talk about a mashup. I think that moment, all of those memories, I think they were blended together with her point of view and some of the realities. Well, I mean, she's gone through some pretty severe trauma. So I imagine even if she knew at one point that her mother killed her father, as a child, she wouldn't have been able to like process it. So yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surface level. It would be somewhere kind of deep down in there. Yeah. 
Which kind of goes back to Sharon's comment about whiny Lydia. It's really, really unfair to compare Carl and Lydia because Carl did not go through anywhere near the same trauma situation as Lydia. Okay, for example, did Laurie have to kill Rick? No, he did have to shoot Shane, but at the same time, Shane was trying to attack his, his father and Carl doesn't have the misfortune of misremembering how it all went down because it was so traumatic. And well, I'll say like, Carl did have the trauma of like thinking that his dad was dead. True. You know, because Shane told them that he was and his father being hospitalized for a gunshot wound. So there is some trauma there, but I mean, but he didn't people, see it process, happen. people yeah. process that all differently, though, too. That's the other thing. I was in on some of the conversation that Rachel and Sharon had about about I know Lydia exactly being, how it goes, too. <laughs> yeah. And I had said that if anything, Lydia reminded me more of how Sophia acted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's as a little girl because yeah. going with Sophia, that. Okay. yeah, Thank Sophia you. was kind of not super whiny, but like was really afraid. Yeah. Much like Lydia is a very afraid. And that's really normal. And I don't think that you can yes. expect a child to act any other way in the apocalypse. But I get from a viewer standpoint, it's like this is really annoying. It's the same thing I said about the baby crying, you know, baby Mo crying in episode what was that episode two of of season, uh, yeah, episode seven, two of of season seven of fear of the walking dead yep to me that added to the attention that they were trying to create within the episode mm -hmm. if you lost a baby mentally you're like all messed up because your hormones are all over the place and and wild and babies crying really do trigger something in you that's like ugh. and so all of that into consideration maybe that wasn't what the writers were intending but that's what i took out of it d wants lydia to like straighten up and toughen up and the fact that she's so whiny is like annoying to her and so it's almost like it's meant to kind of poke at the viewer to be like see she's like not she's not tough enough she's too weak she's yeah. acting like her dad do you understand now why why d did everything that she did i mean i don't i i too do not love alpha i mean she's a well-written villain because i really dislike her so <laughs> so there's it's a good that. distinction by the way um, but, but she she's so discerning but she is such a discerning character as far as her awareness of other people and i think you know that year that they spent on that stupid boat just exacerbated lydia's whining and idealism of how life is and can be d has enough sense to go this isn't real you know this is not gonna last but it does go back to the question of why she does it in the first place this is why i say she becomes the monster so that she doesn't have to go through it so lydia doesn't have to go through it and i'll say this even after all this episode is said and done even after watching or re-watching the walking dead where you see alpha and lydia and how they become it's consistent. Alpha continues to be Alpha. She takes on this persona as the Alpha of the Whispers. It explains why Lydia still has a name. She does all of this, or at least the, the kernel motivation, the patina, as they say, is of allowing Lydia to be Lydia. And yes, if she has to change, if she decides to change along the way to sync up with where she's at, that's fine. It's not fine, whatever. But she, in her own way, because she said she, she's doing all this to prevent whatever it is from getting her. She does Because she had to do it when she was nine. She had to kill her own daddy at nine. She's like, I don't want my girl to have to go through what I went through. I want to give her a better life. And yes, parents aren't perfect. 
say this out loud because they're right in the next room. Like, I can't count how many times my my in-law, my brother and sister-in-law, they're like yelling at, yeah, why can't you be the child I want you to be? Like, like why can't you be <laughs> what, what I'm asking you to be? Like, well, I don't know how to be that. <laughs> it's like, how do you know, like you're you're battling this war between trying to educate your child and then also getting them to behave in a public space or something like that. And so you can't control, you can only do your best in terms of educating your child. So to me, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a realistic scenario, like where, where D is yelling at her kid and blah, 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 and like in the zombie apocalypse, not realistic at all. But like, if you had to be put in a stressor situation, I think she kind of handles it quite well. In this stressful zombie apocalypse, the world end, but these people are fucking pretending that this world did not end. She threads this needle well, but the original question that I was trying to ask was, why do you think she does this in the first place? Why do you think she joins the riverboat community in the first place? We should talk about that. Well, I think that it has something to do with the fact that she mentions that Lydia saw her go mad in that basement. It's almost like another manipulation. Like, let me give Lydia the, the normalcy that she wants for a little bit so she can see that I'm not a monster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just mm. a manipulation to get her to, like, trust her again. Oh, to, you think yeah, that? that? Okay. She okay. talks about, I tried to repent. That whole ideal of repentance and attrition. And maybe that's, like you said, Bridge, her going to the boat is to help her repent from that breakdown that she had in the basement. And like you said, to, to give a little bit of attrition to, I'm, I'm not that, not like that. One thing that I would kind of like to understand is what motivated Brooke to actually take them on in the first place? Hmm. Oh, that's I a think, that's a better question, actually. <laughs> I think probably Lydia being there was like the number one motivator for Brooke. She um, was the only child on the boat. Yeah, she was trying to give a sweet, innocent child a chance. And she never really trusted Dee, it seems like. She's always kind of had or always at least taken like issue with Dee or, or kind of held her at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Or trusted her to a point. It's clear yeah. that Brooke trusts her to an interesting degree. I think Brooke sees that Dee will do anything for her child. And so as long as she's taking, as Brooke is taking care of Lydia, I think Dee's like happy as a clam. And I think she's okay with if there's a little bit of tension between she and Dee because she knows Dee's motivation. Because mm -hmm. I see a lot of Brooke in Dee and a lot of Dee in Brooke, ironically enough. Even though they're like, our stuff takes care, we take care of our stuff, our stuff takes care of us. Even though there's <laughs> that bullshit. I think Dee as much as she might laugh at Brooke, she's trying and she's succeeding to a point, you know? And I think she respects that in a way, which is why she's at bay, which is why she kind of like, I'm okay with this as long as you give my daughter, you promise my daughter a life. They're definitely foils of one another. When they walk into the dining hall and we're playing this 1920s, 30s jazz music. Yeah, like And I'm time. like, did I just step back onto the Titanic? <laughs> it reminded me of music from the Titanic. And the whole time I was thinking, this ship's going to sink. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it was just, you know, Brooke is trying to create this community on this floating casino boat that is not realistic. That's the foil. You know, Dean tries to create a community that is realistic that can survive in the apocalypse however perverted it may be she is able to survive out there and she knows this isn't gonna last hmm. well it's so much of what we see in the walking dead there's groups of people that want things to be the way that they were before 
And then there's the groups of people that are like, no, this has allowed us to do what we're meant to, to be the people that we're meant to be, as Dave so often says. <laughs> you don't have an imaginary hat. I have an actual one. hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recurring theme, very clearly. And like Brooke really defines that like, we can still have aerobics classes and have nice things and dress nicely and be like we were in the old days. And then we have D who's like, you can't trust people. People are chaos. They're going to screw you over given a chance. You're chaos. That's people's true nature. <laughs> I was like, do you even know what chaos is, little girl? Is it, you're like, you're, you're a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, literally you know, what but, she just did. And as crazy and as maniacal as Alpha is, was, she is so acutely spot on in recognizing people's true character. The bartender's not good. She spots that from, you know, not only his actions, but when he walks out to go get more wine, he walks over and unscrews the light bulb. And then she's like, screw you. I'm going to go turn them all off. You know, I know what you did there. You know, it's funny. I think you're right. I think Dee just knows people in general. So when she sees the bartender acting funny, if you notice on her face, she almost smiles at him like, oh, you're a student of human nature, too. Or like, you know, you're acting differently than people normally do. I'm going to keep my eye on you now. And then at true to form, like you actually see in the reflection of the door, if, if you your screen is high deaf enough, you see in the reflection him kind of fiddling with the bulb. So it flashes a little bit or does like a steady flash. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't see that at first. And she's, just, she's like, oh, OK, OK, you're threatening my my daughter's place on this boat you fuck <laughs> that took till the second watch for me yeah, to see that second watch and those were not the dead standing in the woods because mm -hmm. they were just standing yes or they were like roaming whatever but like but there was that one that there was that still. one that made contact it was like yeah it was really creepy it's really, yeah. really creepy very yeah. ominous it was a great shot it was like they almost made eye watch. contact yeah yeah i i have a question though like because i and this is maybe an if so I, I'm not leaning towards the yes on this one, but do you think that Billy's people were from the, Wisp, the this Whispers group? Do you think they had any connection to them at all? I'm no. actually kind of curious what you guys think. Okay. No, I don't yeah. think so. Because I thought maybe, but then I thought, okay, nah, he just seems too, like, deluded. Yeah, you know, you'll be in charge of Pep. I really respect what you're doing here. Like, he's, he's just really... In a, he's not in a different way. Pep. <laughs> Like, no, I think they are, to me, they were just like banditos out to steal the stagecoach and take it over, you know. But gentlemanly banditos. That was so gross to me. S it smile, just boys. really grossed me out. Like, everything about it was so skeevy. Like, the fact that he's like, I like the package that it comes yeah. in. Like, I was just like, you suck. You are no, so gross. I think it was you being sincere. Such a gross person. He was being sincere, I think, Ugh. there. Which it makes it's even more disturbing if he is being sincere, right? It's like everything you've got here. I love the package. I like the wrapping. It's like, uh, but you're like, oh no, gross. I'm not sexual like that. Mm, no, which is like, okay, please be sexual because what you're talking about right now is just really disturbing. <laughs> like, I'd rather you be sexual. <laughs> like, this is kind of twisted. I didn't care for it. It was yeah, it was really unnerving. It was like it was like he broke in a different kind of way that we haven't seen a ton of before. It almost yeah, because he I fell for the delusion. That's the thing. He fell for it. Was it was like, really weird. It was so weird. He had deluded himself to think 
if I kill enough people, my guys can just come in and it'll be fine. It'll be just like it was before, but with my guys. I've lost a little no. bit of niceties today, you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So as I was watching the, sec the second or third time and taking notes, I kept drawing these like interesting comparisons to like when Rick kind of goes a little batty in Alexandria. There's a little bit of symmetry in in what Billy tries to do. This is this is like this riverboat Alexandria. Rick comes in, and goes, "I'm the sheriff here." Burr, burr, burr. Burr. Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of that going on because, like, to us, when we see Brooke and what she's trying to do, okay, first of all, we know, we know because we know. We we've seen we've we've scanned ahead. We we know a little bit of what happens in the zombie apocalypse when people try to rebuild the old ways. From our perspective, when we were watching Rick at Alexandria, we still had the wherewithal a little bit to be like, Rick, I think you need to calm down. Later on, we're like, Rick is right. <laughs> Rick is totally right, Deanna. Rick, you need to listen to him and maybe we'll kill a few people at Alexandria. We got to thin the herd a little bit. That's what makes this this encounter so twisted because you're like, oh, obviously he's batty. He's, oh my God, he's batty. He's batty for the wrong reasons too. He's well, like, oh, no, no, I'm not trying to make you guys more adaptable to the apocalypse. I want to go further into what you've got going on here and but like adjust it for the apocalypse times. Because because Br Brooke, you're you're pretty practical. You're ready to leave that old dude that must have jumped ship after being so drunk. He's like, he like went for a stroll across the bow and jumped in or whatever. Oh, Brooke, you're ruthless. I don't. I just want you to be who you're going to be. I just want you to be you. Ugh. It's so gross. <laughs> as I as I touch as, as I touch the camera like a cheek. <laughs> no, no, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the riverboat was like a mini version of Commonwealth. It's, it's just not reality. It, well, in even Alexandria pre our group coming in, what they were trying in a world like that, we can't go back to what the so world in, was before. In some ways, what makes Billy any different than than Rick? In some way, because he is adapting this model. To the apocalypse he's like well we got to thin the herd you know like people that don't deserve to be here shouldn't be here like if you're, if you're serious about this place touche gotta let me take but care of this billy just straight up killed those people because they didn't dress well so True. like that's True. where we like go past <laughs> yeah, where rick right. was and yeah, rick yeah. Never rick's like you're putting deanna. people in danger yeah and rick you're never beating did your he, wife and he never yeah. went up to deanna and went i like the package you're you're in charge of that deanna <laughs> he went he went to What's her name? Anderson? Oh, the Sam's girl. mother. Yeah. What was her name? Jesse. Jesse. She went to Jesse. I like the package. <laughs> cut cut mean, my hair some more. <laughs> that's true. He did. But now I got to get your husband out of the way. I don't know. See, <laughs> like, it's so it's so weird how you can you can sort of see. I mean, of course, it parts with. Of course, it branches off into a whole twisted direction. But like, there's the patina. There's like a little bit of there's a little bit of that patina there. Like, just like, a oh, flashback. Me? Just just a flashback to the kids. Do you guys think I I felt like Lydia at this point reminded me so much of Gracie? Great. Um, more of the Anderson kids. I mean, if you think about it, well, right? true. You touched I, you know, on it. There's so many times I've wanted to slap the dog piss out of all three of them, but well, she's not listening to Tiny Tim. <laughs> through the tube. No, no. The window. And you can't compare <laughs> Judith because Judith was just born a badass. Yeah, she was she was with the right people. She saw some things. She saw some pretty crazy things. Bridget had just said that Dee chooses the riverboat not to atone for her sin of going crazy, but more to like manipulate Lydia into saying, hey, these you want the extreme version of what your daddy wanted? Well, here it is. 
-hmm. and it's not going to last. And I'll show you how it's not going to last. For me, though, I see someone who did what she felt like she had to do in the basement with her father, with her, with Lydia's father, Frank. She doesn't even call her her husband, if that even is the case. I think she genuinely wanted to atone to the point where I think she's so deluded that she didn't, she wasn't the one that already fucked up her daughter beyond repair. Like as much as we are annoyed and I'm annoyed, I'm annoyed when Lydia is going crazy. I'm annoyed that she's not listening to her mother. I'm annoyed, but I realize why I'm annoyed. I'm not annoyed with Lydia. I'm annoyed with Alpha. Yeah. Because throughout this whole watch, you could, you could stand accused of blaming Lydia for all of this, but really D became the monster to, to keep it from getting her right. To keep it from getting Lydia. Well, and she even makes the comment when they're they're sitting at the tree. I was so worried about this world with you not in it that I didn't consider this world with you in it. I want to protect you at all costs and I don't want I won't let it get you. But she never stopped to consider. And she even says, you're so small. Nine is so small. She really thinks that Lydia should be able to do what she did at nine. And she just and she can't. She's a different person. Right. She's stuck between trying to protect her from it and trying to give her the tools to protect herself like like her. And I think ultimately she does opt usually to protect her from it rather than to give her the tools to protect herself because she realizes the second she tries to, it's 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 too much for her. But Do that's we ever see Lydia kill as a when she's a whisperer? No, but wait, no. let me stop you right there because you said it doesn't occur to her that, and I was gonna say that she was the it. It never occurs to her that she became the it Lydia needed protecting from. Right. Maybe not now, or maybe the damage has already been done. The damage that she did in the basement. This whole episode is of Dee trying to atone, to roll it back from the trauma she inflicted on Lydia. Yeah, that was a she, true epiphany moment for her at the tree. Right. But she never, it never ever occurred to to Dee that it's too late. It's too late. I think maybe it did at the at the tree. I think that moment was the epiphany. You think, because I think she keeps going, though. She keeps going, becomes Alpha to protect Lydia and allow her to be Lydia. Well, so she but never, she, she was never, also ready to sacrifice her. And not which is also selfish. Well, she right? said like, I've been selfish. But right. I think, you know, she's thinking, it's a very Abraham and Isaac. Was she look? Was she waiting for the, the ram in the bush? And do, do the whisperers come out as that salvation <sighs> point? Oh, um, I like I it. That you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Well, like, yeah, like uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, because if you don't know the Bible, um, Abraham and Isaac, forefathers in the Old Testament, uh, Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his own son at the altar that he of on the Mount uh, Mount Shiloh, or I can't remember exactly. Anyway, he he gets up to the moment where Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac, and then all of a sudden God stops him right before he's about to take the swing, and he goes sacrifice this lamb instead mm -hmm. and then enter Hera in the Alpha D the D Hera Lydia situation mm -hmm. and Hera is that like stop we see you spare, spare the child spare, spare her. the oh. right spare her spare her and that cool I love that that's that's all Eliza right there uh, yeah. Lisa, yeah. you're so good at that I love that <laughs> as a Christian seeing those themes mm -hmm. throughout mm -hmm. is always really interesting to me because it just speaks to something so personal so I just really love that. So and I, I really kind of felt like, you know, that whole moment at the tree, it was an epiphany moment for her. Like Dave said, of maybe that it was her, that she was keeping her away from. And that she says, I was so worried about this world with you not in it that I didn't think about this world with you in it. 
you don't need to be here. This world is not made for you. And she was going to sacrifice her. And then here come the fairies out of the woods. Scary fairy, (laughs) but scary fairies. (laughs) Scary fairies. The biggest things I wanted to touch on were like the alpha, whatever, D Carol comparison and the, the, it hadn't occurred to her that the damage has already been done. That like she was trying to roll back what can't be rolled back. That she became the it Lydia needed protecting from. Yeah. And it, ne- and it never occurs to her that that's the case. Never. Not until maybe the end and maybe not even then when Negan mm-hmm. ends up killing her. Yeah. Because she still wants her back the whole time. Yeah, the whole so time. So she just doesn't, she doesn't see it. Because she, she needs the reason. It. She needs the she's reason. Got, she very clearly has personality disorder. It, oh, oh, DID? Yeah, very clearly. Yeah. yeah. Narcissism at the very least. But yeah. you know, the yeah. whole time she's like. Walter White syndrome. Anyway, you know, the whole time she's like, Mama's here, Mama's here. If you will remember when they release Lydia for the exchange of Alden and Duda, Lucas. Alden and Luke. Lucas. (laughs) Duda. Duda. She goes out to her and she approaches her and calls her Mama, and Alpha knocks the shit out of her and says, You will call me Alpha like everyone else. So that that point, I think, of mama has gone and, you know, and more it's of she belongs to me. Right. And property, you mean? Yeah. So I don't know if it's if the mama love is still there. It's more of she's mine and you will not take her from me. Which kind of enforces Bridget's thinking, which is like you have this duplicate personality of like, yes, you're my daughter. But yes, you're my reason. You're my reason for being this way. You're why I did this in the first place. And without you, who am I? What was the reason? And do I have a reason? Because without her, everything that she did, it means nothing. When talking about personality disorder, I think that goes all the way back to her childhood. There's that flip there of survival at nine years old. Of I will do what I have to do. We have to make some assumptions about that, right? Because, like, we don't know that story. She killed daddy. Now, one... It reminded me a lot of the fact that just randomly in season three of Fear, The Walking Dead, that Madison tells Nick and and, uh, Alicia Alicia that she killed her father. (laughs) And I I like that. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of because it kind of comes out of like left field where you're like, wait, what? You're like, you're a murderer normally. Okay, but then you're also given like the reason you're, as to why wait, you're a murderer normally. Normally, <laughs> um, so it's just like always baffling to me. It's like, like you've always oh, so been a murderer. You've always been a murderer. Okay, cool. Oh, all right. Um, I that get it because so it's, much. it's in reference to like abuse, right? And that's that is obviously a theme throughout all of the shows, no matter. I think what. it was. I think not so much a murderer, a survivor. Yeah. And so, I mean, I kind of assume then in Dee's story, is it that her father was abusive? I mean, we don't know, but I kind of make that assumption because why else would you kill your own father? He had to have done something so wrong that you couldn't take it anymore. Which, which right, right. That hit me because, and and I guess because I know Samantha Morton's story. And I thought, man, that had to be a hard line to play. She was basically put out as a child and went through foster homes and foster system. That's why she's such a huge advocate for children in the UK now. And so it it sparked something in me. I I mean, I immediately, I'm almost going to cry because my immediately thought to her real life story. And I thought, knowing more than likely, like you said, there had to have been some type of a 
grotesque abuse that would have caused a nine-year-old to have killed her father. And then because she, she said had, things, things she were ba- better after daddy, you know, things were better. So I- imagine the irony too. like D is expecting Lydia to be the same as her. Mm-hmm. And yet the pressure to be that is not present. The right. It that she's talking about. I mean, well, I D, D assumes that it's there. And it's the it it that has formulated her her whole life. It's that right. abuse and having to survive at such a young age, which forms right. your your character, which forms like there has to be an it and Liddy has to be prepared for it. And if the it is the zombie apocalypse, so be it. But it's not the same. Well, Lydia is the same age now as she was when she killed her as daddy. She was when she killed her father. So I thought that was a really interesting parallel. Was it almost like I killed your father? So you didn't it have to? Been, it would have been right around the time that she turned nine. Right. Because it's almost her birthday mm-hmm. and they've been on the riverboat for a year. Yeah. It seemed to me like D killed her husband. Like, you're going to go through the same thing I did. And I'm going to make sure it does. I'm going to protect you from your father. It's from in a it. different way. But you're also going to have to live without a father. You're going to have to live the same experience that I did. There's symmetry in that. But, and yet, the, who is the it? If not D. D is the it. And it never occurs to her. Never. I love that. But something that occurred to me as we were talking was, Mama's here. You, Eliza, you said this, Mama's here, Mama's here, Mama's here. And I was wondering to myself, where was Mama for D when she had to kill her father? Mm-hmm. Where was Mama? And maybe... Maybe D is the mama that went away. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm making huge speculative arguments here, but maybe mama wasn't there for D at all physically when her daddy was being whatever she was being to her to make her cause her to be that way. And maybe she's filling in that role or both roles or, you know, cause like I think D is like fathers, men, period, fuck them. But like, I'm the mama that I never had. And here I am, I'm going to be both mama your savior, you're kind of like you at nine. That's what I'm going to be for you. I'm going to give you the, the protection I never had that my mama should have given me when I was a kid. Well, how often do you see that in reality? I mean, right. it is real that women, unfortunately, will women often and choose, choose the man over their own child. That happens in cases of sexual abuse a ton right. and in physical abuse too. Now, physical abuse is like, you know, maybe there's a fear there of like, you know, it's, the fear becomes in, incredibly ingrained in everything that you do. But I mean, that's that's something that really happens. And let's go even further. How often do you see it that the children of, of abusive parents or, or a parent will often reject the parent, the, the parent that witnessed the abuse from the other spouse? They actually reject the, the parent that had a choice in saying something, a choice, quote unquote, choice. Like, let's say Sophia had survived. She might blame Carol more yep. than she blames Ed. Pelletier because like oh Ed was just Ed Ed that's who he is but you had a choice you could have protected me there's a little bit of that going going on too well at least with D and so she might feel like she needs to be the one that has the choice the mom that has a choice and she's going to protect Lydia from it at all costs I love where we're going with this I literally just saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them the Harry Potter spin-off movie series the first of them and, you know, with Dan Fogler in it, obviously, but Samantha Morton's in it also. And she plays the foster mother who abuses children. So it's, it's just very interesting that you you made that mention because yeah. then she knows exactly oh, how to act. Yeah. Give me the yeah. I had to catch my breath there just for a second. She was awful. She was t- she was so awful. She was the best. She was the best part of them. Her and like, um, I mean, not to 
praise Ezra Klein crazily, but like he, I have to admit, he goes in. He yeah. he invests in his role a little too much when it came to the stand. But in this role, it was kind of on point. Well, and to show her dedication to the role, you know, when she surprised everyone on set when she was supposed to fake shaving her head and and she had gotten a real pair of clippers and did it on set although i think this was a bald cap in this episode <laughs> yes yeah kind of looked like it um <laughs> yeah uh but you know much. there's there is a there is a true dedication to what she does now that we've kind of hashed it out do you do you feel the same way about lydia in terms of being annoyed by her as you did when you watched it because when we go through all this for me i blame nobody but d for the way Lydia's acting. It's very easy for us to pawn that off of a kid, pawn that on a kid, but I think the damage was already done. And the fact, and like, let's go back to Joe and Evie. Sometimes people just survive. On paper, they shouldn't have. Lydia shouldn't have survived. And yet here they are. And so now, mm -hmm. now is an opportunity. And sometimes walls, like we find out in The Walking Dead World Beyond, walls can help you help the world see perspective on the way things were and the way things could be so that you can bring them back from the brink. You know, you have the survival skills and yet, but yet you were behind walls. So you have that perspective, that long view perspective that it could be better. And so Lydia could be that little bit of however screwed up she is, that little bit of we should, we should look for people like Frank, my daddy said. And then when she joins these communities and when, especially when it comes to the Commonwealth, now that we have that perspective of the riverboat, that's going to be playing in my mind. I'm hoping that's canon now. <laughs> for when they when they go through um her role in the walking dead in these final eight episodes i kind of want to see if lydia retains any of that perspective lydia never matures into what d wants her to become i was trying to think do we ever see her ever kill a walker she never grows into that role that i think d wants as a spider and a survivor so the alpha retains that protector and maybe that's why we create the guardians is everybody has to circle around Lydia. You have to protect her at all costs, no matter what the cost. Yet she ends up with a group of survivors and she like ends up thriving in like a completely different way. Right. So right. clearly Alpha D's way like wasn't the right way for Lydia. And I think that's what ultimately pisses Alpha off. I think yeah. that's why she's so hell bent on the revenge against our groups not so much that they've taken lydia but that lydia is now living a life that she said was not possible that she brain tried to brainwash her into thinking was not real and was not possible that people are chaos and and it, it explains a lot one could easily say hey if alpha would have seen the way these people survive or are trying to survive in a gr more grounded realistic way hey maybe she would have uh, but you know so like oh you know maybe this is a good place for lydia but no we mm -hmm. have this episode to kind of give us further clarity into why it's never no this is the way this is the only way we were able to survive as long as we did and all civilizations fail now this is the way it is it gives us a little bit of understanding in terms of her character why she's so hell-bent on hey if they're not going to fall naturally i'll make them fall yeah you know, because this is this is the only way to protect my baby, my daughter. That being said, do we not think that maybe like Brooke's kind of way of doing things wasn't right for Lydia either? It's almost too much on the other end of the scale, whereas our survivors group like Hilltop Alexandria, they're kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think point counterpoint, though, Hera's way. Let's just go with Hera on this one. 
Hera's way is the extreme opposite to live amongst to, to be in the danger. If you think about it, it's like, yeah, there's this way, the way we knew, the way we can try to recreate, which okay is bad. We know it's bad. If we were there at the time, we'd be like, hey, this, hey, this might work. This looks like it might work. But knowing what we know, duh. But like the other way isn't that great either. You're living in the danger and you put yourself in a, in a mindset and maybe the same mindset as Brooke. Hey, if he fell overboard, oh, well, we have one more space open. And like with the whispers, it's the same way. Oh, well, well, I yes. guess they become I mean, a guardian. I guess no, they become a guardian. It is exactly the same way. Oh, well, when the baby's crying in the field and she tells her to go over there and leave it and she just kind of shrugs and says, you know, this baby we're, wasn't meant to survive. We wild. We're animals. We have babies. Babies die. Jazz is right. You know, it's a, it's a, there's, it's a huge pendulum swing. And then our group is kind of like right in the middle, trying to find a balance between the way things were and the way things are and not fall either way too far. You know, what you just said also gave me a lot more. So it just adds to the perspective that we have because of this episode. She doesn't do this because she's the whispers religion and nature. I'm I'm part of nature. I'm the alpha. You know, it's not that's not it. She does all of this for Lydia. She doesn't care if babies die. She cares if Lydia dies. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters except I create this bubble, this cocoon surrounding Lydia. I have a baby's bird nest in the last camp where Lydia used to sleep. <laughs> remember that mm -hmm. revelation? <laughs> this, remember the baby she bird said nest. that's what a real mother does is that's protects right. her child. To her, that's being a good parent is just keeping Lydia alive. Doesn't matter if I slap you around mm -hmm. and tell you that you're weak or chastise you in front of other people, put you down, whatever. I'm I protecting you and that's all I'm supposed to do. We are all we have. We do what we think is right, even if it hurts the ones we love. <laughs> I don't. I don't like Dave Alpha. <laughs> it's creepy. Hello, <laughs> Alpha. <laughs> I don't like me either. Right now, <laughs> if it's any consolation. <laughs> where's, my, where's my daughter? Where's well, my next daughter? Next time I throw this knife, it'll be upside your head. <laughs> next, yeah, next time I swing this knife, it'll be upside your head. Exactly. I could do 1-800-SEX calls all day long with that voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could make a lot of money. You know, you could, if you work on it, retirement could be very sweet for you. <laughs> you, are, you are a crass man. I thought you would appreciate a crass prize. A crass woman. A crass gift. <laughs> oh, man. Jasmine had this thing that she spoke of. Well, I think Jasmine and I had this back and forth on how seeing Hera come seeing Hera come out of the woods necessarily is that really where it is or also the riverboat itself no, no it's it's more it's more to do with the riverboat okay well, it reminded us about the so, telltale walking dead series yeah so it heavily like the in season four of telltale um there's this group that kind of go against clementine and her group and they kidnap a few of the members but they live on a boat this group the bad guys <laughs> I think they had a name, but it's lost on me. So basically, this group had taken a couple of these people and Clementine had to formulate a plan of like how they're going to get on the boat. And that's when they meet a whisperer called James. And he's the only whisperer shown in Telltale Games. He shows them how it is like to like be a whisperer and stuff and like how to use it to your advantage. They actually use uh, whisperer masks and a big herd of walkers to attack the boat. And they like hide behind the walkers so that they can get on the on the boat. 
and uh, rescue their people. But it almost felt like to me because James the Whisperer was saying like, oh, I've left this group, like they're not around anymore. So to me, it almost felt like maybe someone else like recaptured the boat after Brooke's people died, potentially. And then that's when these bad guys have taken over the boat and the Whisperers have happened to leave the area, but there's one remaining. So like potentially maybe this is actually like before the Telltale Games characters arrived at that location. I, I see what you're saying. Like a cool tie-in, and I mainly I mainly think that because the boat is very similar to the Telltale Games boat, and it's like kind of like that swampland and that kind of eerie, misty atmosphere. So you're saying maybe Billy and his people were maybe these bad people, or at least the genesis of those bad people, and maybe yeah. bad people took over Billy's. <laughs> situation I mean, yeah i'm not quite sure like the exact logistics of how this group came to be but yeah it could potentially have happened after everything that's happened with d oh my god can you imagine i'm just sorry i'm breaking just a, for a little bit but like i think the world would shit a brick if season two featured a clementine story I mean, mm-hmm. I, think, I, would, I would fucking die. Well, it depends on well, what happens with it. Just to give everybody context, though, the Telltale Games follows the comic book story, mm-hmm. Ifily, but it follows the comic, not the television show. So yeah. if there is, there would be have to be some license, some licensing to do. But although I think Skybound did buy the Walking Dead game off of Telltale, technically. I yeah. think it's a Skybound game Because now. Um, Telltale is no longer, so... Yeah, um, well, I, they're kind of hanging in there, but I think they're a subdivision now of Skybound Entertainment, or so Skybound Games now. Yeah, but they've, they've basically been bought out. Like, they're not... It's such a shame. You mentioning that led me to try to figure out the name of that group, and instead I found an article that a crew member was hospitalized after this episode was filming. Really? Which, wow. Yeah, apparently. This it? happened back in April. A Tales of the Walking Dead crew member was taken to the hospital after an accident on set. The accident occurred on Monday night after filming had wrapped for the day. It involved a river boat and a plank connecting the boat to the pier. Oh no, the somebody just like slipped. fell into the water and was taken to a hospital via ambulance, but she is in stable condition. Just quickly on the, the Skybound thing, they've actually since released a comic that's supposed to be like where Clementine has left off. That's a Skybound comic. Which Bridget reviewed on her channel. Yes. On her Prunky Brewster there channel. There I did. It's Spoiler right free. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that uh, particular comic because it kind of... Neither did Bridget. It made, it, made, <laughs> it made certain things canon that were left open and I liked that they were left open, but then it made a canon version of it and... As a Telltale player, having your own ending is like kind of part of how great season four was. Uh, unfortunately, nobody asked for it either. So that was the other thing. <laughs> nobody asked for the Clementine comic book. I mean, wow. personally, Everyone was like, I feel pretty I, good about this story. But when I when I heard that they were going to release a Clementine comic, I thought that's really cool. But I thought maybe they were going to like fill in a little bit of between season three and four, rather, oh, rather than, than move forward, rather mm. than actually jump to the end of four and say what happens beyond four, because mm. it's just really depressing. <laughs> Did you read the actual full book? Yeah, uh, yeah, book I did. Book one? You did? Okay. Wasn't sure. Yeah, okay. I feel pretty meh about it, but... That's funny because it's... You, you could, you'd imagine that, like, prior to this even being conceived, people would be like, yeah, that's something I want. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a Clementine comic book that even goes further. But, like, no matter what they release, there's going to be a significant amount of people that are like, oh, I didn't like it. 
because that's like you said, Jasmine, it's like it's all about choices. It's all about the pathways that you take as Clementine playing the game. They should have done a choose your own adventure. And which is the books, the books I grew up with. It was such a big thing in the 80s. I think maybe in the 70s, the 70s and 80s was just like these choose your own adventure books that were really, really well told. Some of them. Yeah. Like some of these fantasy books. The Goosebumps ones were killer. <laughs> I never read the Goosebumps ones, but I there was a series of 100 books. And I forget who, I think they're just called Choose Your Own Adventure. I think they, they're the ones that made the name and I forget who, who released them. But if they had done that, that would have been a great comic. And, and I've never heard of a Choose Your Own Adventure comic book. So they could have done that. Do you know what I mean? Would like been and really cool. Skybound, Skybound, Skybound. Knock, knock, knock. Skybound. That's that's free. That's just for you. <laughs> hey, if you want to mention our name, Squawking Dead, that's S Q U A W I K I N G D E A. It's a hard. Oh, that's thing to a spell. bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I've, I've, we've had this conversation before, and the reason that this podcast hasn't blown up is because no one can spell it. People are trying to like. People are trying to look for it, and they can't find it. They just give up. It's yeah. It's sad. We're elite. <laughs> we're, that's that's how you know we're elite. <laughs> that's we're my elitists. Excuse. So you don't know how to spell it if we don't want you. <laughs> I'll, I'll never, I'll never recognize the fact that I'm the it that you are. You're the I'm it. Protect, I'm protecting Lydia from. You are anyway, <laughs> this podcast from. <laughs> I'm the it. Anyway, uh, so let's go down the timeline narrative because you could easily stand accused of not really knowing where we are. And I'll say this much: we know, we implied that obviously this happened after. The basement incident where D kills Frank, apparently, and this is this is what has been said in that all those memories are from Lydia from the time in the basement. So they're they've, they've got a semi unreliable witness, even though it feels like she does resolve those issues or she does work through Henry's help and being around people. She's resolved what actually happens. But as far as where we are now and where we end up going, because like I said, this is a flashback within a flashback. This episode actually starts off. And I'm going to say this, and then you tell me if I'm right. This episode starts off directly after D has a coup within the Whispers and takes over. Because it looks like by the end, she's all bloody and scarred and beaten. And her prize is her friend's face, her friend Hera. Right. She wears Hera on her face, much like Beta wears his friend on his face in the insane asylum her his friend in the asylum with the have a nice day shirt which he he wears that too and he wears his friend's face now is that what you guys got out of it do you guys have somewhere else just at least that much oh look at that lisa has is showing us her alpha mask that's hera now now we know that's hera yeah that's i do friend. know that that's hera and this does appear to be after her and lydia are taken in by this original group of whispers they're all in the background on pikes so that's clearly her thing. She <laughs> likes doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that is accurate in the timeline. The only thing that I was a bit fuzzy on was I was like, wait a second. Then when does she meet Beta? And I was like trying to figure all that out. And so I went back and watched season 10, episode two, because I knew that that's where she met up with Beta originally and skipped through the scenes I didn't need to see. was just trying to get to the flashback portions. Right. And we know that that's seven years ago from that moment from season 10 there's a huge title card that comes up and it says seven years ago from that and point, so we know right. from that point seven years prior is when she meets beta now best i can gather she's already shaved her head at this point 
We see young Lydia. She's got the earmuffs. They're looking a little more tattered and ratty than they did in this episode. And she's also got the rabbit looking a little bit worse for wear than in this Tales episode. So we know it was after all of that. But before she like redoes the whispers, I guess. So she takes that idea from Hera and her people. Doesn't use the mask in that episode. Doesn't have the mask, right. So, I mean, she maybe has it. We don't know. She could have it in her bag. She has a bag with her, but she doesn't use it. And she is walking with the dead, but she's got like a hood on and she's right. just going like, ah, <laughs> like she does that in the episode and it's hilarious to me. Hey, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to use Rachel's take, which she said in Discord, which by the way, if you want to join our Discord, all you got to do is join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month by creating Create an account on ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking. And if you like joining a membership, it's little as a dollar a month. You can join our Discord and have these conversations with us. But what she said was that this could have been, I think she said this, this could have been her initiation. Because as you see, Gamma sort of, before she even gets the name Gamma, Mary, she goes through this process and whatever. But she does have a whisper mask, but still, maybe there's stages to joining the whispers. Like you have to act like them and then blah, blah, blah. And then you have to accomplish a feat within society or something or get a lot of resources or something like that but then maybe this was her initiation with lydia to be worthy of becoming of them that maybe she went out and she was trying to get something some resources or something or got separated maybe she even left the herd and was trying to escape the whispers i think that's something that rachel said and in finding beta she found a means to overthrow them Mm -mm. that's not where i'm at i didn't think that but i mean I don't know that we get a definitive enough answer to be like, no, that's not what happened either. I like the point where that bridges on that seven year gap, because when we see her at the end of this episode, it looks like she has very crudely shaved her head. I mean, we've got cut marks and things like that. And when she meets Beta, she is aware of the fact of wearing the face mask because she tells him to cut mm-hmm. the face mask off. Has she already taken over the whispers? and is going off on her own because she she knows to wear the mask with him but her head is very crudely shaven and then you know that kind of goes back to shows her shaving her head in the basement or a memory flashback of of lydia's but i'm i don't know i i feel like she probably did something to to overthrow him but i don't know if she had beta with her when she did that or not it's yeah, that's something we don't that's, know. That's a little convoluted for me there, uh, a little bit. But but either way, she meets Beta after she meets Hera. Either way. So we know that for a I fact. Think, yeah, I think that's that's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. Timeline goes basement, riverboat, Hera. Then at some point after that, because we know from the flashback, she meets Beta seven years prior to the events of season 10. So that means she meets Beta somewhere after after she meets Hera. Well, she obviously knows to act like the dead because of Hera, and she hasn't earned enough respect to have her own whisper. I don't know about that, but like, it, she obviously doesn't have a whisper mask. Otherwise, she'd be using it, right? Yeah. It, can we agree all on that? Yeah, okay. I agree. So whatever the reason, it's 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 iffy. But she she doesn't have it, and well, the only but I don't whisper know mask that she she's ever. Have it. But yeah. the, well, yeah. we know we know this much. When Hera reveals her face, you see the blonde hair behind her. Yes. And we know yeah. that Hera is the is the face of her friend, her friend whom she loves. Sure She's wearing know. her friend's face. Okay, we know that. So sometime between then and now, 
something happens to Hera, whether it's D that happens to Hera is, is speculation. And I'm making some leaps, right? And I think Rachel's also making some leaps that maybe she comes back with Beta too. I, I don't know if this is actually Rachel's theory. I think I just had my own theory and I mixed it with Rachel's. But like she comes back with Beta and eventually at some point she takes over, essentially. Well, she may have had her own mask. It may have just not been Hera's. Beta was kind of a, he was large and intimidating, but he was also kind of a scared cat in the corner when they met and she really kind of empowered him so i don't i don't know i'm kind of like rich i'm kind of on the fence about that you know but i i think she's been with their group long enough to know how to be what to do how to survive why were they going off on a run just her and lydia i'm not sure but it's obvious she knew about wearing the mask because of how she tells beta to wear that mask and and, to wear, wear your best friend there's something that I want to go into as a result of that. And that's it's just, just an extra piece now that we know that both Beta wears his best friend, best friend, on his face, and how Alpha wears her best friend, the woman she loves. She says this in this episode. She says, I was keeping myself from my nat from my nature, but that that was the end of D and the beginning of me. And then I met you. And then I met you and you showed me love. So I thought this. I was like when, when we first met Beta in season 10, what I had said was, and nobody agreed with me on this, but I, I said Beta actually loved his friend, like loved romantically his friend. I said, oh, I he, thought that this, was, I thought that was the point of that episode. That's, that's what that's I said. Everybody's like, I no, got. no, it's just his friend. It's just his friend. I got the vibe that there was a little bit more Friendship. There. And I'm like, no, I, I think maybe because he well, was I a, it was his brother. I, I was thinking, I was thinking, <laughs> this guy is a country music star. The fame got to him. It's not what he wanted. Maybe he had some anxiety issues, whatever. And I think maybe even just as a country star, and I'm, this is where we go into major speculation land, is like maybe he was expected to be, you know, like heterosexual and not be involved with men or else he, his, he wouldn't. It's like being tied to your fame, even though you don't want it sort of thing. Without this, who am I? And yet I love men. And yet I love this man. And he wasn't allowed to. But he really, he couldn't help himself from loving this man. Just like, and this is why I said this, just like Alpha D couldn't help from loving Lydia, no matter what. It gets in the way of her nature, and yet it's the reason why she embraces this nature. And that harkens back to what Brooke said to D on the boat. When we first see her, would you rather wear a suit? Oh, yeah, I know. And and D says, why would I want to wear a suit? You know, it's like so nothing. I, it was just a joke. But I I think it was a joke like, are you into women? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of got that vibe, too, that she was like trying to make an attempt to figure out where she stood yeah. Sexu- yeah, sexually. And also a, a play on the suit, the suit, skin suit. Right. The skin suit. Right, right, right. I love that. Well, that's kind of why, where I wanted to go. There's a section of men who, they're called MGTOWs, men going their own way, which is kind of they swear off women. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a society of women who also opt out of men on the rad femme side, the radical feminist side, because there are. They're like, they just, they can't handle you know being a part of the patriarchy. They can't handle the compromises men and women have to make in being with one another, the lack of 50-50, the lack of harmony. So they kind of go their own way also. So what I was thinking was, well, what if D was one of those people? And it, it's clear that she kind of is because she murders Frank. She doesn't need to murder Frank, just like she doesn't need to murder Lydia in, in the same fashion. 
I mean, Frank and Lydia are literally the same. Yet she feels ha that she must protect Lydia at, all, Lydia at all costs because that's her. That's D as a child. So of course she's going to protect Lydia. It's like protecting yourself. So I can see, easily see when she meets Hera, I can see a part of her falling in love with her in a sense. Like she does love her. Romantically is a iffy one, but I'll even go there to well, say that she, loved, she loved her enough Beta to want to wear Alpha. her face. Oh, and Beta loved his friend. He, like love mm -hmm. loved his, maybe, this is what I'm saying. Like she, yeah. he loved, loved his friend. So why not Alpha like loving the woman who gave her a chance, first of all, but loving and her daughter a chance to survive, right? But also loving. Now You're the only one who got me. You are mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I, could, you understand. I could definitely see that. But I almost felt like in that scene that she's actually talking to the mask. Yes, yes. As an exactly. inanimate obje object. Like, I love you, inanimate object. You have allowed me to become me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's well, what I got from it. Less, less so like I loved Hera. And maybe she did. I don't really know. Right, but to right. me, it felt like she was saying, I love this mask. <laughs> you know what, though? I like what you're saying because let's embrace that part of us that is like D and that people are chaos. And it's one thing to love a person, but people, they're fickle. <laughs> but once that person part, the fickle part is out of the way, the mask is what Hera represents. It's the idea of Hera without all the trappings of a person. Even if you are a whisperer, you're still a person, even though you tried not to be a person, you're still a person who's sure. annoying. I mean I could see that even too. I think that's kind of like in the middle. It's kind of half of what you're saying and half of what I'm saying. But no, I, no, but I'm I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Like, it's like I literally met like the mask as a thing. That's what I felt like. It, it empowered was. Alpha. Exactly. Not that Hera did, but just that the mask does. I think it's because of Hera that the power of that is in the mask. Like you showed me that I can be that way. You showed me that I can take what you gave me and take it further. So like Hera in this form, in this mask form, is the idealized version of her without the actual person. Like now I can be you, but I can also be what I was meant to become. Bringing it back all the way to the beginning of this episode when you were fumbling with, oh, Dave says <laughs> the Walking Dead universe allows you to be the person you were meant to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. that. I mean, it's I, like the yeah. idealized self. Like I could see that being a possibility. It's just not what I saw in that. And those are and those are the I suits. I thought it was like wear. completely disconnected from people. I think it can be deemed as both. This is the tool that now has enabled her to become who she is. Right. Even though it is rooted in the woman who brought yeah. her in and sure. gave her love, and so she's going to retain that love of Hera forever now in the mask that she will wear, just like Beta will retain the love of his friend forever in the mask that he wears. Well, I think yeah. that's what's really cool about these episodes, right? Because like, there is no definitive answer. And so we all just get to throw together our own theory. And in so, contrast so to the more. Telltale, the, sorry, the uh, Clementine comic in a sense. We so, right? sorry. Yeah, there's yeah. a few of these episodes that could so have more expansion to, to them even if they're just like a six series i mean because there's so much more to go to it but i'm okay with leaving it where it is like i'm yeah. happy with this you know with just leaving it but why yeah. you are happy with this is because you could have watched this episode sat back and gone hey this on the surface level this episode's pretty pretty cool but when you tie it together 
to the greater universe. It gave you so much more on what we saw in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And just, just like, it makes me almost wrong, almost in my analyses. I mean, I'm not wrong because she did become like the Walter White character. It, it got away from her. It was supposed to be about Lydia. But then she just said, oh, this is who you always were. This is her embracing her nature. She's walking two paths. She's like, oh, Lydia's the excuse for being who I am. But really, you love being who you are. You love being the it, you know, that you were trying to protect Lydia from. That's well, the and thing. I th- and I think that happens when she does meet Hera and is part of that group. And when she does eventually don the mask. I mean, it's almost like, the yes. anal- I, you know, I love Bridges. Bridges thought about it is because it's almost like a superhero. I mean, <laughs> Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne until he puts on the suit. And then when he puts on the suit, he's Batman. And, you know, that whole premise of wearing who you are and what is underneath the suit that you wear. Anyone who's like really, really, really into the idea of Batman would say to you, Batman is the real person and Bruce Wayne is his mask. And that's so much the same for this. Alpha mm-hmm. is the actual person. Who she like always And D like is her mask. People always loved making this comparison. It's worth mentioning here is that they often do the Batman reference. Oh, Batman was always Batman and Bruce Wayne's the mask, but they flip it for Clark and Superman. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, <laughs> Clark Kent is Superman. Clark Kent is Superman? <laughs> sorry, <gasps> the, it's the glasses, guys. It's the glasses, <laughs> sorry. But, yeah, that, you know, that's true, but I-, I Clark you know, Kent I, is his real face. That's that's who he feels is him mm-hmm. at, at heart. Jonathan Kent's son, yeah, Jonathan Martha. I mean, I yeah, love I the idea that. though that we played on with the sexuality because I think, you know, when she meets it, it Hera- does, It deserves a repeating. It definitely deserves yeah, a repeating. I mean, because it's, you know, when she meets Hera, I think there's so many things in that last statement. You, you know, you showed me love and you allowed me to be become who I am now. And going back to, would you prefer to wear a suit? And then the whole beta <laughs> and his friend. There is a, a lot to that of hiding behind a mask of not, especially in the gay and lesbian community, of having to have on an affront oh. for not being accepted for who you truly are. And so she meets this individual who allows her to become in every aspect who she is. She really is. Right. Right. I like, I really like, and yet like, she does the I don't big know dirty I, with Negan. But I think it adds to the ambiguity that is there. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. view that interaction as like passion or love or an expression of feelings, but rather almost like a payment or a reward for well, what he's what done. And that's and what so she there's, says. Yeah, yeah, so there's just beca- ends up becoming like a lot of ambiguousness towards that concept. And doesn't that make sense in the apocalypse? Those boundaries aren't there anymore. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is kind of what I was going to say was like that in a world where people almost get angry when things aren't spelled out, like, oh, is, is Alpha bisexual or not? Come on, guys, tell us. <laughs> I almost prefer it because, you know, maybe it, there is a bit of fluidity to, to how we can view this the characters and and how they end up playing out i prefer it because it's it's not like they're they're trying to hide it but it is kind of blurring the blurring the lines of what you think might be going on here and i and for those who want it to be more than just a kinship between her and hera let's say if we just before the slaughter right (laughs) the kinship between her and hera it could be and for those who want it to be a more than just kinship to, to be a relationship of some kind it could be 
whether she ends up killing her or not is a whole other story. But yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's really smart because that doesn't define your personality. Mm -mm. That's not a character trait. It's just a part of you. A part of you. And, and so what is identity, when we, right? When we over focus on that and it becomes this label that we need to define, it's like you're saying that that's an ingrained character trait in you, that that adds some level. And that's not true. That's not and it fair. almost diminishes what Alpha is, doesn't it? Because yeah, that's definitely. not the focus here, folks. No. Alpha is the focus, the it factor, the fact that she is it, the it that she was trying to protect Lydia from. That's and, what we need to focus on. And the, the it the, that eventually kills Hera. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, right? Maybe. This is me. I'm, I, I'm thinking yes, because she pikes well, all the... Yeah, whispers, I mean, I but... get that, but like maybe someone piked all of her people and then that's why she does that in the future. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, that's true. I assume she killed all of them. Hey, man, but... maybe, maybe, the, maybe the pikes are all beta. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I kind of like the headless look. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like pikes. It's what what do you thing. think? What do you think, Alpha? You know, I think you're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, Hera was the goddess of the hearth and the goddess of the family and the protector mm -hmm. of women and children. And yeah. Alpha is the first. So she could have picked another goddess name, but she she picks a name for herself as the first, the original, <sighs> the beginner, the Alpha, the Omega, going back to that creation point. When you think about it in the biblical sense, does she create the true whisperers? Maybe she saw that maybe Hera's group was not as strong as what they could have been. And so as Alpha, she creates the genesis of what the whisperers become with right, you rising right. the guardians. Yeah, I think she adds more mythos to the whispers personally, because I feel like from what we see, and again, this breeds a lot of speculation. From what we see, it just seems like the whispers kind of just weave in and out of groups of uh, hordes and stuff like that. It seems like they were just trying to be concealed. And how I feel that way is basically what, we, what you explained when it came to Hera, d describing Hera as goddess of, you know, in the Greek myths of goddess of the hearth, protector, and we see you, spare the child. Would Alpha have done that? Think about it for a second. Would Alpha have the, spared the child? The that's right. They did it because that's who they are. Alpha didn't do it because all she was trying to ever do was create a group to envelop Lydia. That may have led to the overtaking of Hera and the group as she found that they were kind of like Marxism. It's good in theory, but it's not practiced out very well. And so yeah. she you know, found <laughs> the weakness. You can't be a goddess of a hearth and home and protector of the family and things like that. You have to be the beginning and only the beginning. And so she created what the Whisperers turned out to be with the first, with the utilization of the Guardians and things like that. Which goes back to my original analysis. Well, I kind of mentioned it briefly, but like, seriously, what makes Brooke and her group different from the Whispers that we see in this episode? Because they're just an extreme opposite, but they're trying to do the same thing. They're not trying to preserve the things. They're trying to preserve themselves, but in a way that is similar together we're just trying to survive we're just trying to weave through this new world in our own way but that's the way every all of the groups have done whether it's on fear or the world beyond or, right, or right. walking dead how you survive for your particular group without for that was never good enough is really my point i don't care who the group is i don't care who i join whatever it is i don't trust you you're still people whispers people Hera and your whispers you're still people 
And if you don't do everything, and I mean everything, to take care of my daughter, I'm going to take you over. <laughs> that's, that's the reality. It makes Brooke and her people, Hera and her whispers, the same. You're just not going far enough to protect my daughter. <laughs> and so it could be that that's why she took them over. Do you think that when they got up on the shore after escaping on the dinghy, do you think that was the first time Samantha knew to cover herself with a walker? Or do you think she think so. had kind of known that? Because she's under there, Lydia's not. And then she reaches up and splits it in half and tells Lydia to get under there with her. Like the guts trick is what you're saying. Yeah, the guts That's trick. Right. I felt like it just seemed natural. Like she already knew that that was something mm-hmm. that she could do. But that also leads to me to trying to figure out so this is one year after the basement. How far into the apocalypse is the basement? That's right when it all starts. Okay, I didn't go back to watch that flashback episode. And so yeah. I didn't I didn't know that was I right at the coverage. beginning. Yeah, they're screaming and everything outside. And that's why people in the basement okay. get all panicky and stuff. This is almost where Evie and Joe's episode is then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're still two days. at the, sure. So our group is at the prison. And, and she's been dead. there longer, too. So, like, you've got the year in, plus okay. however long Dee was on the boat, right? Yeah. Okay. Could be the whole year. Could be a couple yeah. months in. Then they found the boat. And either way, Dee's been there way longer than Billy has. So. Yeah, because they okay. say on there, you've been here almost a year. How come you haven't kind of gotten on board with yeah. everything? And Billy's been and there think, three weeks. Yeah. I think all of these episodes so far are kind of like right after, shortly after the fall. I don't know how the ones going forward are going to be. Well, but. well Gina and, we know Gina for sure and, uh, <laughs> one of them is <laughs> yeah, further in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. That, well, for those who don't know. It was mentioned next, already. Yeah. What, yeah. Was, what is the next one called? That's the one that's 35 years in the future, apparently. Amy slash Dr. Everett. Alpha oh. rocked. I mean, Samantha Wharton is, ugh, she's just phenomenal. I would love to see from this episode until our group runs and encounters her which is really the first time we encounter the whispers is eugene and rosita down in the ditch but i would love to see the evolution of alpha they could do so much more with this episode right which goes to what we said in our last episode which is wouldn't it be great if season two of tales of the walking dead continues those stories even though like i'm sure there's so much more story to tell with other individuals new individuals but there could be crossover there could be where they meet up with the newly minted alpha or, you know what I mean? That's the hard thing about anthology series. (laughs) You always want a little bit more sometimes. And I've grown accustomed to it because I watch Creepshow and Mm. really enjoy that. Greg Nicotero's Creepshow, the television series is an anthology series and that's pretty great. I watched Twilight Zone as a kid. My father was a huge fan of like the Outer Limits. And so from the dark side, which is what I kind of modeled our graphics. Yeah, I've grown up kind of around this concept. And so it takes some getting used to to be like, nope, you just that's an encapsulated moment and you just move on. I I am fine with that. The more that we go through them and the the more stories that we get, I think the more accustomed the audience will become to that. It was an extremely packed episode. I thought it would have gone on longer. And all of a sudden that was the end. And I was like, what? Oh, (laughs) I'm I'm you know what? At, at, on first watch, and it's good to kind of pick apart our first watch from our repeat watch. On first watch, I'm like, what happened? No, I want to know more about Hera and her whispers and the differences. On second watch, I'm like, no, 
because I took notes on this episode and I see the differences in the whispers in this episode from what we know on The Walking Dead, I understand exactly what's going on here. I'm good. We have The Walking Dead to look back on. We have this episode that fills out so much more than we ever thought we would ever get on this character. Really. We wanted more of Alpha, even though like by the end of it, we're like, thank God she's gone. But there was a part of you, there was a part of me even thinking like, there was no, a part we, of us that wanted to go, how did she do? How did she get like this? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it. Like, obviously we needed a break because she was, she was a lot like what we thought of Negan in season seven and eight. This implacable can't be this motherfucker for anything. And there's something like so enticing. There's such game theory behind a villain that you can't beat because you keep trying. It's like a slot machine. You keep, you just keep someday it'll pay off someday it'll pay off and then eventually after so many times you're like oh this hurts seven and eight you're, you're killing me killing me smalls and it took a villain to kill a villain and that's why that's why i thank you for saying that because that's what made the payoff to seven and eight so great in nine and ten because without sparing negan who's to say if we would have beaten the whispers the greater threat and then now we go back to the origin of even that character and that character had a genuine motivation in spite of a very serious flaw and that her genuine motivation was her daughter but the very serious flaw was not knowing all this time throughout beginning to end that she was the threat she was the it that she was trying to protect her daughter from the whole time and i love it i love it because it breeds such a great storyline and a lot of that you'll see that's the, the, the a cycle of abuse. It's almost like the reverse Stockholm syndrome where, you know, the captor develops a relationship with their abductor abuser. Right. Um, and their abuser. Like you were saying, Dave, how she I won't let it get you, I won't let it get you, I won't fail you again. But her own abusive life as a child, obviously, there was, you know, something there that she wanted to make sure that she protected the little girl maybe she was saying i won't fail you again maybe she felt like she felt herself yeah yeah that's that's what lends to the symmetry of her turning nine her being nine and having to do what she had to do again that's why i said like it's selfish even killing lydia and herself is selfish because it's like i can't make you me as much as i want i want to yell at you to be me that can't happen so like i'm just going to kill you i'm going to kill myself and this way we don't have to actually deal right. with the world around us selfish because that's all she knows she knows that world she knows the it is out there and eventually it's going to get lydia and i can't i can't stop it because i'm me and i defeated the it but i i can't do I it can't for lydia save you from it yeah yeah. yeah, you have to save yourself. And if you if you can't, if you just can't, if I or and she doesn't realize I already broke you. <laughs> she doesn't she realize has, that really. She has so many good moments, though, there at the tree. You know, she, she yes. says, I've been so selfish. I must have been so small, you know, and she's talking about herself. So I think she has true revelation moments. And maybe she thinks that by killing Lydia and possibly herself afterwards that I'm not going to hurt you anymore and the world won't hurt you anymore. You know, you know what that's a lot like? That's a lot like when Philip, the governor, loses his Woodbury, like that moment where he could have turned it all around. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, something comes along to allow him to come back to the person that he was meant to be. And in comes Hera and says, oh, you sh- can show me a way to protect my daughter? Okay, okay. Yeah. Game yeah. on. We're, well, we're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> I mean, it just proves the point. People are chaos. 
these groups come in and allow these villains a second chance because they be- they want to believe in people. They want to believe that people can be good, but like people nature. suck a lot. The groups want to think the group, not alpha. Is it, you're talking about the groups want to believe that people yeah. can be. Yeah, not alpha. Just to be clear. No, so they're alpha's like, just like I can believe what I want to believe now. Still, alpha yeah, but it's no one. It's no just proving did. that theory that alpha has though. Yes, people yes. are chaos, herself included. Right, yeah. but she. I don't think she ever realizes it. And Lydia's spot on. She doesn't. Maybe she doesn't know she's spot on. But she's spot on. You are people too. <laughs> but see, Alpha's like the hurricane. She is the eye, and she only sees the chaos around her, but she doesn't recognize that she is the eye is of the hurricane of and the genesis, the alpha of the chaos. Who who puts it better than Eliza? Who puts it better <laughs> than Just tie that on. Wrap up. it up in a bow. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have left to say is that they were really mean to Louise on that boat. Come on, Louise, work those arms. (laughs) And she goes to Billy. Take Jenna, take Jenna. She never volunteers to do anything. Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. What was that lady's name? I don't remember it. That wasn't Louise. That was somebody else, but that was pretty funny. She's He's aged out just like uh, whatever her name was. <laughs> just kill all the old people. Another example of ageism or class warfare or whatever. You know what? Who I felt the most bad for on that boat, literally, was the the secondary trainer guy that filled in for Todd. Brooke when she had to go. Yeah, Todd. Todd, I liked Todd. He seemed I know, consistent. He was, the, he was the one voice of reason. They're all like, "We'll help you search for them," and he's like, "No, no, no, like, no, 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 it doesn't have to go this way. <laughs> no, they're gone. They're on a run." <laughs> What, what what have I said uh, with second in commands? They always seem to steer the ship. <laughs> the first in commands, eh, they kind of checked out. <laughs> R.I.P. Todd. Rip Todd. R.I.P. Yes. Todd. I bet he was. Anyway. A hero among men. Well, yeah. something among men. Something More good. so than everyone else on that boat. So. Tear. Tear. <sighs> so yeah, sad. Brad was ready to give up everybody. <laughs> He's like... Is that his name? The uh, Brooks oh, husband, his name Brad? Brad? Nolan. 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 Okay. Yeah. He Nolan. looks like a Brad. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Eric, Eric Tide. He was, he's very prolific on social media, by the way. Tide, I think is his name. T-I-E-D-E. Uh, with that, everybody, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know what we could be doing better. Let us know if we missed anything. But let us know after every episode. It really, really, really does help us. And if you really want to be more involved with this podcast, create a free account on ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. You don't have to buy us a coffee for 30 days of supported back content. You don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month. All you got to do is follow. It lets you know what we're doing in the background, when we record, when we drop our unedited recording sessions, when we're thinking of any cool new things. And when you feel like doing those things, like buying us a coffee or joining a membership tier, we don't want to push you into anything. And we also don't post these things on social media because, well, that's for the people who want to cross that threshold to be one with our nature. And so with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by newly minted host Bridget. <laughs> ko-fi.com slash punky brewster that's p-u-n-k-y-b-r-u-i-s-e-t-e-r and survivors to your members jasmine.iac on instagram and aliza jones 71 on instagram and jones aj6 on twitter as a matter of fact it's really good to see your faces by the way love seeing your faces you aliza and jasmine we, i've yeah, missed you it it's nice been crazy so good to be back yeah and what, a, what an appropriate episode and 
everybody, we'll see you in the next one, hopefully. And I know our recording backlog, you're not going to know this until it's finally released, you know, for those most of you. But yeah, we've we've got quite the backlog. We have our Gina Blair episode, which hasn't been edited yet. We got our Better Call Saul doubleheader finale episodes and this episode and probably some other things that we haven't done yet. But without further ado, I'll see you guys soon. Hopefully this this episode will be out in no time and we'll see you at the camp and we'll see you at Anthony Collins. That's my viewing party watching the series finale of The Walking Dead. I'll let you know about more of that behind the scenes and then eventually on social media when it when the time comes but yeah follow us on ko-fi.com slash walking dead to know more about that especially in our discord take care everybody we'll see you in the next one and bye. bye but wait don't go just yet you haven't heard us thank our survivors and whispers tier members you can become a tier member from just the walker tier for as little as a dollar a month but these are the upper tiers survivors help host the show with us they're the it's the key defining perk and whispers are the mid-grade tier basically getting almost everything that the survivors tier gets save for that one coveted position in any case here are our survivors tier members linda jennings admin of walking dead is freaking amazing facebook group search for walking dead is freaking amazing on facebook linda peck athens that's ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy jasmine.iac on instagram and eliza jones 71 on instagram as well as jones ag6 on twitter the last two who are on this episode yay thank you so much for helping us out breaking down this episode on to our whispers here members yvette at mrtnyvet on twitter j13 Voorhees on instagram and twitter sandy.d.morrison on facebook frosted angel 67 on twitter at tyler philip cox on both instagram and twitter at aiden underscore atkin underscore on instagram and aiden the raven on twitter it's his birthday so happy birthday aiden and last but not least judith.morton on instagram thanks so much for listening to this episode and we will see you very soon possibly this week for the very next episode of tales of the walking dead discussing the fifth episode titled amy and dr everett see you soon